Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. explain it but there it was alive in the deep deep waters of the amazon a throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago immensely strong and destructive a woman's beauty the bait that brought it out of its lair see underwater thrills never photographed before see titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures Hey guys, welcome back to our Universal Monster series. This is episode five of that. We will be discussing the creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm Jimbo, uh, my co-host. Terrence. And a special guest host in here once again is... Kyle Zayner. Kyle A. Zayner. Ooh. Um, so, um, like I said we uh, in the previous episodes that we've done of this, we don't t- waste much time. We don't do questions. We just jump right into it. So, Terrence, let's take away the creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature of... No. From the Black Lagoon. I knew that. Just testing you. You passed. <laughs> All right. Release date, March 5th, 1954. Gross, USA. It made $1,003,000. Uh, for inflation, that's $12.4 million. Uh, so I don't know what its budget was, but if it's anything in line with the other... Uh, Films of the era? Yeah. Well, the... Uh, the other Universal Monster movies, um, it at least made some back, but uh, probably not too much. That, that seems to be the common theme for a lot of these movies. They, they're cult classics. They didn't do so well when they came out, but then they made they a lot They had that lasting appeal. Yeah. Yeah, they, had long, they had long legs. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Some of them <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. This was directed by Jack Arnold. Uh, writing credits goes to Harry Essex for the screenplay and Arthur A. Ross for screenplay as Arthur Ross. Uh, Maurice Zim, the story. William Alland, uh, uh, the idea, and is uncredited. So William came up with this idea. Uh, and then uh, someone just wrote the story from it, I suppose. <laughs> the technical specs. Runtime, one hour and 19 minutes. So just like a lot of these movies, uh, this one runs a little longer than uh, some of the others. But still, it's a quick watch it, be done. Um, then we have the sound mix, which is mono, Western Electric Recording. Color, black. And around the time, uh, I believe the first movie uh, that was universally, like, brought 3D to the forefront and made it sort of like a a little bit of a craze was in the 1950s. So, uh, Lavatory, Universal International Studio Lavatory, USA. Negative format, 35 millimeter. Cinemagraphic process, Universal 3D, dual strip 3D. Printed film format, 35 millimeter. Now the awards. Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 2015. If you've been listening to the other Universal Monsters, you saw this coming. Uh, so, 
this one for two years instead of usually we see like three or four different years that this comes out. Uh, this one just in 2015 and 2013. Uh, in 2015, they were nominated for De Best DVD Blu-ray Collection. That, you know, Universal Classic Monsters Collection like we have been seeing. Uh, they did win in a Saturn Award in 2013. Uh, and that was for Best DVD Blu-ray Collection, Universal Monsters Collection. So once again, we see uh, awards being won, but nothing for effects, makeup, uh, any of that stuff. Nothing at all. And uh, it's, it's a shame. Because it's obviously, like, it's probably, like, the most impressive thing about that film are these, are these effects. Those costumes are just amazing. They absolutely. Look so well. Right. Yeah. And so, that is off to you now. On to the synopsis and the casting from your boy, Kyle Zayner. The synopsis is, a team of scientists search the deep reaches of the Amazon rainforest to find a creature that lives in the water there and try and capture it and take it back for scientific study. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. <laughs> what could May possibly go wrong, right? Exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Rachel Carlson plays the main character, main lead character, as Dr. David Reed. Fun fact, Frank Lovejoy was actually first considered. Jimbo, do you have any cool other fun fact about Frank Lovejoy there? Or just nope. He was also considered, and uh, he's a great actor, and I like him a lot. <laughs> Julian, what other, oh, really? What other movies are you playing? Shush. <laughs> Favorite movie? Shush. Great film. See? Got you. Sure, Shush is a real film. <laughs> nice ad-libbing, but no. Female co-lead was played by Julia Adams as Kay Lawrence, who also happened to be the last surviving cast member who unfortunately passed away in a, on February 3rd of 2019 at the ripe old age of 92. Hey, and you know what else? She did all of her own stunts for this movie. Very impressive. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's good. Good going, girl. You go, girl. Nice. And live 92. So you say, do cast, live long, and do your own stunts, and live a long time. <laughs> so Jackie Chan's going to live forever. Is that what you know? <laughs> Basically, already is, right? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> right? I can do, yeah. Um, also, sorry, Richard Denning as Dr. Mark Williams. Antonio Moreno as Dr. Carl Maya. Um, he's been in, uh, Dr. fun fact about Antonio Moreno, he had been in films since 1912. So, even by the time that film, yeah. he's already had a, a, a... I mean, you're going back to silent movie days. Yeah, yeah truly silent movie days. But even like even at the time of this film, he had already had 43 years of experience. Like, that guy <laughs> knew what was up. <laughs> I will um, say, it's, it's if he's, you know, was doing films in the silent era, that... He survived the transition because there was a right. lot of actors who didn't. I mean, one of the most notable ones is Charlie Chaplin. He didn't make the transition from the silent film era into when they started introducing, you know, uh, voice lines and stuff. He, yeah, he, yeah but did he die before then? No, no yeah, he did a couple. Did, yeah, yeah, he did recordings. He did a couple movies, but it just his wasn't as wasn't. good. His his popularity and his spotlight was in the silent film era uh, after it transitioned over. Uh, into the new space, you know, of cinema, uh, you know, being like never now people have voice lines and dialogue and stuff like that. Uh, it just didn't hit as well. Not to make it a Charlie Chaplin podcast, but also think like <laughs> one of the core things is that you know, of course, he did like mainly comedy in the silent film era, and then like when it went to the actual talkies when it first came out, yeah, he actually came a lot more of a uh, political minded person, specifically talking about Hitler and all. Oh like, yeah, making, yeah, yeah, the great dictator film specifically. So that was a. Very interesting, great person, Charlie Chaplin. Um, back to the casting, though. Um, <laughs> we return to Nestor Pavia as Captain Lucas, also starring Whit Bissell as Dr. Edwin Thompson, Bernie Gozer as Z, Henry A. Escalante as Chico, Perry Lopez as Thomas, Rod Redwig as Lewis, Sidney Mason as Dr. Matos, Ben Chapman as Gilman, Rico Browning as the Gilman, those were a shared role for the title character of the Creature of the Black Lagoon. So one of them was in the suit and land, and one of them was for underwater. Yes, yes. Ben Chapman was the land actor for all the major scenes, and then um, Rico Browning was the um, swimming actor for the creature. And little fun fact about uh, 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 Riku was he could hold his breath underwater for four minutes. You know, impressive now and right, time. Right, but um, yeah. also for that... Um, even though he was required to hold his breath for four minutes as the Gill Man, that's what they called yeah. the monster, the Gill Man. Um, the director's logic was that uh, air would have to travel through the monster's gills and thus not reveal air bubbles from his mouth to his nose. Thus, the costume was designed without an air tank. In the subsequent films, though, the detail was ignored and air can, can be seen emanating from the top of the creature's head. 
So I guess he actually held his breath the entire time they were doing this. He did. Which is impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and also, you can't really find a copy of it um, easily today, but it was originally produced in 3D and was one of the first films of that time. But um, that concludes the um, casting choices and the working synopsis of the film. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about this. Um, we'll go ahead and just start off talking about the movie because we like to walk through these movies. Yeah. Um, the first thing that you see is uh, what comes to mind is the opening thing is uh, they're quoting the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then... It jumps into evolution. Yep. So I was like, so here we have a play on evolution and creation. I don't know if they're trying to they want to have their everybody cake and eat it too, right? <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, then you see, well, and here's the Earth, and it's cooling down after 45 million years or whatever, yep. you know, and you know they start showing the different uh, jungles and all that. Um, so, Kyle, you want to take it from there? What happens next? Um, well, I think I think I just started to dwell on that scene just a little bit because it was kind of interesting, like to have both a biblical answer and a uh, evolutionary answer to the world. That threw it's, me for a loop, to be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it speaks to like kind of like how they made films at the time. They felt like they had to over-explain everything to the point where they made a contradictory explanation in the first scene of the film. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> and uh, here, what was the second scene of the film? The, the, the I, first scene, the film, I believe they find the, the I believe it's where they uh, the, they find the fossilized they the hand. hand fossil, yeah. yeah. And uh, they, um, yeah, they find that as they think it's like this will be one of the greatest discoveries of history, and well, they bring it back. And if you remember, you know, the, he like he like pulls a hand out, you know, hey, we gotta get this back to wherever. And then you see like the other creature's hand reaching out, <laughs> grabbing like, by the feet. <laughs> yeah, I was and like, then that's this? that's where you hear that for the very first time uh, that wonderful score, <laughs> of the, the monster, monster theme, uh, which they play over and over. And fun fact about that, it was because of the executives of the film. Uh, that they insisted that that theme be played over and over and over through the movie. Well, director Jack Arnold claimed that his main goal in making of this film was to create a sense of dread. He said it plays upon a basic fear that people have about what might be lurking below the surface of any body of water. You know the feeling when you are swimming and something brushes your leg down there? (laughs) He's like, it scares you. Uh, And if you don't know what it is, it's the fear of the unknown. I decided to exploit this fear as much as possible. You know, popular other reference would probably be um, H.P. Lovecraft also used that in the key to a lot of his stories and actually did it before this movie. But um, H.P. Lovecraft's works didn't actually become popular around this film's era. So uh, kind of interesting that you have the, the same kind of fear of the water and the unknown being played in this film that really worked pretty oh, well. Oh, yeah. Right. So now um, the archaeologist, I guess we'll call him an archaeologist, even though he's a science. I don't Generic know. Generic science man number two. Right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so they decide to take it. Back to, Back to uh, England, uh, right? Right. I think it's England. And, uh, uh, is England. it still England again? And um, Fancy science men always go to England. That's how it works. That's how <laughs> right, it but works. is this where he finds the uh, the main guy that he was working for him anyway? Uh, you mean when he goes back to the tent and sees that the, the guy's been attacked? By no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's later. later. That's later. But okay. is this where he meets, uh, he decides to go and, and recruit the guy that had been working that's right. for him? That's right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's... The guy and the girl... Uh, yeah, they all, I was a the Reed, guy and the girl are David right. they're, they're and, back in England, and then the um, archaeologist who discovered the fossil comes back and shows them the um, the recovered yeah. artifact, right? And, and he's like, he's he wanted like, to test rock. That's when he the, explains his uh, method that he's going to test his theory because um, he they they tested the rock around the fossil itself, and they were like, this is from the Devonian era, right? And um, they're like, we want to know where it came from, and we think it came from further down river. So we want to get some rock samples and then see if they test the same. And it was also like, hey, we have somebody stationed down there already. Remember yeah. um, a little encampment or whatever? And he's like, we can go down there and we can help them. And he's like, by the way, he's like, well, he's like, I don't know if what he's like. Well, you work for me. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, well, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, so they decided. Okay, I guess we're going because the one guy. What you what you come to finally realizes the one guy wants to kill it and bring it back and yeah. do some stuff on it and the other guy just wants to observe it and do, do some testing different and, yeah, end goals yeah just yeah. to leave it alone and just kind of monitor you kind of get a hint of that in the beginning right they, they definitely dive in that to that later right so now hey we're going down the river the amazon river on the little boat the rita <laughs> it's like a piece of junk you know <laughs> So you have who all do we have on the boat, Kyle? Do you remember we have? I know we have. Is it Doctor David Reed? Doctor David yep. Reed, Kay Lawrence, Doctor Mark Williams, and uh, Doctor Carl Maya. And then you have Captain. And his, his, uh, doesn't he have uh, a handy? Uh, uh, doesn't he have a, like another cabin mate on there? 
yeah, I believe you it's have Z the and Captain, Chico. Yeah, 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 you have the yeah. other two on there. But I, Captain Lewis, uh, 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 Lucas was my favorite. Yeah. He's great. Oh, he's got a cigar in his Not even smoking the cigar. It's like an already smoked just cigar. And, and he's like the like, expedition character every time. It's like, you know, people don't like this place, right? Everything kills you here. So then he laughs about it. So I think from here it breaks away to the scene of the guy in the tent. Yeah. And he's hearing a noise outside. You actually see, like, the bubbles in the water, you yep. know, and you start seeing feet uh, walking up towards the tent. And I guess the guy in the tent thinks it's his partner. Is, uh, I believe he thought it was uh, Dr. Matthaus or yeah. Matt, Matt, Mattis. So he's like, he starts yelling for him, and the next thing you see, you see, like, the destruction of the tent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you still have never seen the monster yet. You've only seen yeah, parts of Yeah, you've only seen part of Which, them. you know, I wish they would do a lot of that more today. Don't show everything right up front. You know, make yeah. it... Like a build-up. Like it's it, always right. that clash. It's like on one hand, those special effects are so expensive, they have to show it. Right. But on the other hand, though, less is more. If you just showed a little bit, you'd go so much further. Right. You know? Right. So basically, uh, the the boat's coming up the river now, and they get to that encampment, and uh, you know they take off, and they notice that they found the tracks on the ground, and the, the guy's missing. I don't think they found his body there either, did they? There's two gentlemen there, and they both... Right, but they can't murdered. find either one. They yeah. just find the, you know, the tent cut, shredded... Yeah, and they can't find the bodies. Uh, I don't think they ever directly say like blood or anything like that, but I no, think they they, no. they they very clearly knew that they were attacked and killed. They kind of they, there was no mystery of like oh they went missing like no something attacked them here, right like but a tiger I, or something like that. That's yeah. what they figured. I mean, at, at no point in any of these movies do you see any blood. I think like no. at no point no visceral well, and, like and that, if you yeah. remember, does this go back to the rules censorship the censorship yeah, the, that we had the, 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 the laws I was talking about before um, that I don't know. I'd have to look further into them. There's a handful of, of, of rules that they had to follow, um, some of them silly, but uh, it, it could be. That could be a possibility. Because even Dracula, you didn't see the bite marks on her neck Not or at anything. All. They didn't so. show it, yeah. Yep, all has to be implied. It was which, just hinted by the scarf. You know? Yeah, right. So um, the next thing you see is you see someone in the water. Remember the, uh, is it the lady in the water? Where the she's in the water swimming or whatever, and they said don't go too far or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And of course yeah. she immediately goes off well, too so, far. <laughs> but, but before that was when you finally do get that conversation of uh, as they're you know driving uh, into the the lagoon because they actually go deeper from the tent. They, they go like so many more miles because they go the, diving they said, first. Well, they said this is the farthest we've ever been. Remember? Yeah. And they said we got to go further. And then that's, that's when uh, Captain Lucas is like, uh, they call it Paradise Island, but... Because uh, no but, one ever returns. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> no one ever returns to say otherwise. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they go... First, first uh, uh, the two doctors, um, Dr. Reed and uh, Lawrence, they go diving first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they collect some rock samples. You get a couple more shots of Gilman, we'll call him. Yes. Right. Um the creature, the creature, and then you get you know some more of that amazing music. <laughs> every time he's on, every, every time, time he's on screen, he's on every screen. few now, seconds. What I do like about that music is they did take variations of it, so you had the like in your face, like super loud, you know, score. But then they also took that same tone, but then they had the like sort of more bassy kind of. Now is this dun, also dun, the scene? Dun. Is this also the scene where she flicks her cigarette in the water? No, and, that's later too. Oh, okay. Um, so after they go diving, they collect some samples, and you know they, you can tell they're being stalked by the creature, but they don't actually interact. That's with them a really that interesting point. part about that this film too, because this is probably one of the first films that actually showed the um, the creature's perspective in a lot of the scenarios. Exactly, it's understanding yeah. like he has a um, a fascination with um, Kay Lawrence, obviously. Some yeah, kind of, whatever kind of fascination he might have for a woman like of that some age, kind of, some kind of King Kong, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> That scene where she's swimming and he's doing the backstroke under her, dude. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Looking at yeah. her. I, I just felt creeped out just watching that scene. Yes, you know, it is beautifully <laughs> shot. Yeah. So so here's where I, thought, I felt like, especially like with this particular scene, they, they spent a lot of time in the water. Just like really long shots, just these long – it was at least a five-minute scene it felt like. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, it's just underwater. It's showing fish. It's showing uh, well, also, uh, all the undersea uh, stuff. Uh, a fun fact there is that if you notice, uh, one of the doctors only has one air tank on. The other one has two. Yeah. The reason they did that is so you could distinguish which one was which underwater. That makes so sense. So you would know who was who and not getting confused about which character's who underwater. Oh. I thought that was very interesting, and I did not know that. Yeah, that's a really good touch. Right? I thought maybe that was the guy that was supplying the air to the creature, you know, underwater yeah. or whatever, but he 
obviously held his breath the entire time, so he yeah. didn't need it. So yeah. I thought that was really well done. Huh. Uh, Julie Adams, real quick, noted that making this film was an extremely pleasant process, unlike some of the other movies like uh, Dracula that everybody just took it for oh, granted. Yeah. And the cast and crew always got along well. Uh, if you see any of the monster movies or listen to any of the monster movies that we've talked about, that was not always the case. She said she also felt that she was uh, she felt sympathetic towards the monster. Adam said there is always is uh, that feeling of compassion for the monster. I think maybe it touches something in ourselves, maybe the darker part of ourselves that long to be loved and think they really can't ever be loved. It strikes a chord within all of us. I can even even say that now as like that influence carried all the way to um, Gilmer de Toro's later film, twenty eighteen, The Shape of Water. I knew, yeah. I like, knew he was going to get that. Well, you have yeah. to mention that right there because that is about the idea of right. just like you know that woman actually shared feelings you know for the creature. And I age. wonder if she had a cameo in that movie. Oh, if, if she I could. think she should have. Yeah. I, yeah. I, if, if, if she would have been like 90 at the time of the film, right. so it would have been very difficult, I'm sure. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't sure. <laughs> she could have been one of the crazy time. people in the apartment, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they asked her if she may have politely declined. <laughs> right. So you can, you can tell. I'm 90. Me. I don't want to go to a film set. <laughs> so, That's so, uh, perfectly fine, woman. <laughs> we understand. So a couple more uh, things on the before we dive too much further in on the creature. Um, in the film, the, the uh, eyes of the creature were a fixed part of the rubber construction of the suit. The actors who played the part of the Gilman could barely see. Mm. Uh, in the second film, though, the eyes have been somewhat uh, replaced with large bulbous fish eyes, you know, so yeah. they, they could actually look around. Um, also, uh, we all know that the two different stuntmen were used to portray this. Um, Rick Browning, the one that was in the water, they said he actually wore like a lighter color suit. was the one in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wore a lighter color suit. And the one on the uh, that played the creature out of the water, Ben Chapman, his was a little bit darker. Um, also, that the Forrest Ackerman, a horror and science fiction writer for Famous Monsters of Filmland magazines, uh, bought the mask and claws of the creature's costume from a young man who had once used them as a Halloween costume. <laughs> the costume pieces were discarded by Universal after production had finished on the three films, Creature from the Black Lagoon and its two sequels, and were later recovered from the studio's dumpster, by oh. a janitor wow. who thought oh the gosh. ensemble would make a good Halloween costume for his son. Wow. Other costume pieces were recently sold at auction by Bud Westmore, who was an assistant to Millicent Patrick, the original designer of the costume. And now, that just, that just shows that like wins how... costume, Halloween costume of the year right there. <laughs> that just shows how, how they felt about it. It was just a problem. Exactly. They throw it away. Like, that's why, and the film didn't make much money either, so I understand how it can be seen as just a write That's what I'm like, saying. It's like you can tell it's a cool classic just based on the fact that, like, this, this little fact right here shows that it didn't really make a cultural significant impact because no one really knew what it was. Janet was just like, hey, look, this is it'll, this will make a cool Halloween Well, costume. but you got to think, it was in not only in this film, but it was also in two sequels. Yeah. So, like, a film in two sequels why, went by. Why would, you, why would you throw something away uh, if you knew it, it had made two sequels? Yeah. So you know the film, the, the, the costume's iconic if it's already scheduled for two sequels or done two sequels. Yeah, it's always one of those crazy things. Like, it's, like, it's such a large moving machine. It's amazing anything gets saved at all. Because like, well, even when you have, like, the best efforts of, like, like Disney is probably known best for like maintaining all their old stuff and keeping it like yeah. under perfect conditions. But um, but a lot of other companies. But a fail. lot of time these movies were done real quick. Like um, the I think it was the Wolfman uh, or the Mummy. It was like they were months. shot in two weeks. Oh the yeah, whole the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was released a week later. That's editing and everything, and it was put out. And yeah. I was like, the, just the the. the t- the turnover yeah. rate back then was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, they, they're running right back onto the next project as soon as they can. So, like, the idea of, like, hey, let's make sure we keep all our stuff in storage and keep it in good condition never crosses anyone's mind because they're just thinking, like, next money, got to get paycheck. Yeah, next, yep, mo- next sh- movie, sh- got to get the paycheck. We got to go. You know, well, I will say one money. interesting thing about the, the mask itself is uh, there was an account that from uh, one of the two stuntmen that played Gilman, which is uh, they explain the eyes is almost like looking through two peak holes really far away like that's yeah. how hard it was to see can you imagine in in, in the uh especially uh, the underwater mask. guy yeah i mean it'd be virtually useless at that point right. everything's just a vague suggestion well, like Rick, i'm floating around here <laughs> rico browning the stuntman who provided the underwater shots of the creature once had to make an emergency bathroom visit while he was filming a scene Browning had been underwater for several minutes and breached the water in full costume next to an unsuspecting mother and her young daughter off the nearby shore. Okay. Browning said that they fled in terror, and once they saw him, he recalled, they took off, and that's the last I saw of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, also, uh, in an interview, Julie Adams recalled that swimming for long periods in the frigid water was one of the most challenging parts of making this film. 
for most of the production, the water tank used for most of uh, water tank was used for most of Adam's swimming scenes was heated. However, the crew forgot to heat the tank prior to filming on a particular oh, no. chilly day. So the, uh, this this film was actually filmed in two different locations. Most of it was filmed on set, you know, on Universal property. Uh, but there was also a good chunk of the film that was filmed in Florida. Right. Uh, the creature, uh, using the name Uncle Gilbert, had appeared in an episode of the TV series The Monsters. Um, Julie Adams, uh, the the main lady, had lighthearted complained that no matter how well she acted or what role she had in other films, fans always remembered her as Julia Adams from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Hmm. It's a so, double-edged sword to be right, so, actor, so okay, well. hey, we remember you, but this movie didn't do very well. So before we out more facts, let's, let's get further into the movie. So... They've gone underwater. They've got some rock samples. That's when they come up. Uh, that's when you see the divide between the two uh, scientists, right? Yeah. One's like, uh, you know, I, I just want to... It, it's from the Devonian era. Like, I want to know about it. And it, it probably has some answers for us, you know, that it's yeah. questions we can ask. And then the other guy's just like, well, we got to kill it. It's already... Right. It's already gone no, too far. Already, we need to end this yeah, right yeah, now. Exactly. So, yeah. so what was their purpose of going up further from the shore or further up the river from where they were? So they needed to check the the samples that they had from where they originally found the first sample, and then they wanted to, uh, based off of uh, uh, you know the earth moving and all this other stuff, um, they wanted they had estimated that the rock formation that it came from was further downriver. So then that's why they pulled up the rocks from uh, the bottom of the water um, to test it. And they actually shortly after you do find out that it's the same rock from from the same rock formation. So they're like, okay, this is for sure from the Devonian era. Uh, This is around where it came from. And then that's also explains why that creature resides in that area because Whatever it is, it's always been there. Um, and then after you have this whole debate, they go and as they're testing those samples, that's when she takes the dive in. And then that's when you get you know more long shots of underwater her swimming. But then yeah, you get that creepy scene where you know she's backstroking and then right under her. That is, is him a creepy. Swimming. I think that is really well shot. It's- Probably the best shot of the film. Right, itself. it is. Yeah, absolutely. so uneasy. And yeah. because now you start thinking about all the times that I was in a, a lake or an ocean, and you know you're out there yeah. swimming, and you're like, hmm, man, Anytime I wonder. You get, that, yeah, <laughs> get that little feeling that someone just touched your foot, or and if you like, freak and out. Yeah. They actually or if you've touch ever, on that, or if you've ever been in the ocean and you you step on something. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's just the weirdest. Yeah, and then they, they do touch on that because when she's treading water, because uh, the captain's calling out, and to he her, comes up, and he's, like, he's like, you shouldn't be so far out, and then. Um, and then uh, that's that's when he comes up and just kind of grazes her, her, yeah, her foot, foot. Mm-hmm. and uh, then she swims back. And like up to this point, like there's been no interaction with the monster really. It's just almost this anticipation buildup of him stalking whoever's in the water, and you think there might be an interaction, and then there isn't. Uh, A great play for suspense and all. It is, yeah, that's no, no, it's, 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 it's yeah. huge buildup in suspense because you know even me being like desensitized from you know modern movies and everything, I was still like, when's it gonna happen? Like, uh, is this gonna be it? Like, no. is he gonna grab her before she gets on the boat and then it doesn't happen? I'm like, oh man, is, is this also where when they go diving? Is this also where they take the harpoon gun? Uh, he and takes the har- they, they take yeah. the harpoon gun uh, on the first one too. Yeah, because no, they yeah. said uh, that's when he. But that's when he showcases it. He's like, "This is the harpoon gun." He's like, "All you gotta do is point like, and squeeze," <laughs> yeah. and then he, you know, shoots it at the at the, at the boat, um, the barrel or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, uh, yeah, they, that was the the first time they went in the water. She goes out swimming, and then they decide to go in with a, a camera. Uh, for the second time they dive and then once again the other guy's burnishing the now are we still at the gun. scene first scene before the or have we already traveled up river from this tent scene oh this is yeah way after the tent okay. scene because they, so they don't when they, revisit when the, that camp but I mean when they first that was what I was asking earlier is when they first dive is that at the tent scene or does that oh, do no, they no, go no. that's they, what they go they, ahead they and go, go on to the river, lagoon yeah. right uh-huh. Okay. That's why that's what I was trying to do. That's because yeah. I don't remember them diving at the tent scene. That's why yeah. I was like, I maybe I just no, no, be playing it wrong in my mind. So now, they're already in the uh, final destination. Now right. here's where I don't remember because it, it, it's been uh, at least like a week since I watched the movie and I've watched a lot since then. But uh Kyle just watched it last where, night or the night. When before. was the, the net scene where where uh they so it gets caught in the net 
and they're just the, the boat's trying to pull it up. Oh, and it's just struggling and struggling and struggling, and it even breaks part of the mast. Yeah, of the, yeah of, I believe that's like just after that scene, actually. Just yeah, after the scene where she's uh, swimming off the lake. That's right. Because right, right after that, and they they cast that net to kind of capture him, and uh, he just. Fights a very hard fight. Like, breaks right. He just, yeah, they demonstrate that this this net. creature has almost a supernatural strength to him. Yeah. Just like you know, um, kind of fighting to like. I feel like the um, and like, similar how Jimbo said at the beginning of the film, they have a play on like the God created the world and evolution created the world. The creature of the Black Lagoon has both a kind of uh, a reptilian and uh, scary like na- supernatural kind of quality. To oh him. Like, yeah, he could just be a creature from the world that just like this has always been there, or he could be like an anti like a super deity that also has these <laughs> physical powers and is almost like a demonic force. So to a degree. So at this point, has he attacked anybody else? Um. He's only attacked people in the campsite, and he has attacked, he attacked them directly. But now he has to, now after he um, he escapes from the net, I believe. Then he attacks, yeah. um, I believe it's Z or Chico on the ship. Yeah, right. so he yeah. does attack one guy because it's kind of like one by one. Uh, he gets one guy on the ship, and then I believe there's a the, the doctor happens in between, and then another guy uh, like gets choked. Oh, okay, one guy gets dragged underwater, I think, and then the other guy gets choked out. Uh, and then just you know. So who's yeah, the, who's the dead. who's the doctor that ends up in the bandages? Is, is it one of the doctors? That yeah, it's one of the doctors. Um, I believe it's Edwin Thompson. I believe it's him. Yeah, um, yeah. He gets attacked, and uh, yeah, he basically all in bandages. Kind of funny fact of like the lack of <laughs> violence like in the, the film. Looks like, like the invisible he gets, man. Like, he gets like lightly brushed away, and then all of a oh, sudden yeah. all of his bones are broken. <laughs> right, and you're like you're like. Wow, you know, he barely survived. And I, and I really? kind of wondered. I kind of wondered if he, if he, if the creature has killed everybody else up to that point in the movie, why did he let this one survive? Yeah, um, I don't remember if he got chased, scared off, or that something. was that land scene. That, that, that was the first land scene where he fought off people, and uh, he was the first, he was he killed one guy, and then he punched off the other one. And just, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And then you see him going back in the water. Yeah, then you? he flees because everyone else I think comes with the harpoon gun, and everyone else else comes from and like a group. You know, he likes his prey. So, so here's where. Like I, I feel different from like I knew what they were going for, so I knew I would my how I felt would be at odds with probably some other people. But they do try to garner some sympathy and empathy from the key, creature's perspective. It's like oh, it's this curious creature and all this why, other why stuff. Why won't you leave me alone? You know. Um, but then I'm like thinking it's murdered like two people already. So at, right off the get go, I'm like okay, it's dangerous. And then it. it where my sort of uh, crossroads comes is like, okay, do I agree with the guy who's just like, let's just leave it alone? It's killed people already, so let's just let bygones be bygones in there. Or do you take it out because it is killing people? Um, well, you got to remember, they're down there in that uh, the hole, too, and they're like, hey, are we going to, you know, that's where they get in the fight. He's like, we've come this far, yeah. we're staying, we're going to kill it. And the other guy's look, we just need to leave it alone. And at this time, you see the creature come through and grab the guy. And start, they take him out the mantle. Don't you think the creature pulled him oh, out the yeah, mantle? Yeah, yeah. And are like, well, and that's when they all start going crazy. They said, we just have to leave. And that's where he overthrows the guy that he's working with. He's like, you work for me. He's like, that was punches a, him or something, remember? And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They so have that punch out. And uh, he tells that was the, before he got pulled through the manhole. Uh, yeah. So, Well, because they're, they're trying to leave. And remember, he's like, it's blocked. Yeah. The creature has built like a dam underwater blocking them. And that's where it kind of goes because, like, whether intentional or not in this film, there's a lot more of a gray morality to it in the first place. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like, they discover the fossil and then they go into the, the creature. They go into his. They go in the creature's black lagoon. It's his black lagoon. He's the guy that has that place. That's his chill spot. And then, like, hey, we're here. We're going to try and capture you and kill you. Right. <laughs> and, and he's already been shot once. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the second time they dive when he has the camera and everything. Um, they, they in, he ends up shooting it with a harpoon, uh, but then he swims away, and um, that's when they come up from water and they're like, "It, it was here in the picture," and he, he thought he grabbed a picture yeah. of it, but it, it, after it developed, it didn't show up. Yeah, I um, really like how he he would hide along the seaweed and the moss. Yeah, and, you know, you just see him like creeping, looking through there. I thought that was really well done too. Oh yeah. yeah. He's all. Like, he's equally fascinated with humans as the they humans are, are fascinated, fascinated with him, right. which is an like, interesting perspective. Yeah, but really he's already a, killed people. So yeah, he's yeah. already killed people. But I don't know if anybody's actually been in the water with him like that. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. he thought it was another one of his own kind. Yeah, but also you can also say like you know as a creature like he, like they the don't predatory. Show him this, well, like predatory, but also like he might be approaching out of curiosity, and um, then everyone else is attacking him out of, of a sense of self defense. Like even in the tent scene, like the guy is just immediately screaming at him and possibly trying to like fight back or something like that or run away, and then the creature attacks him and kills him out of a uh, more primal violence, which can also be a little bit more of a 
Great. There's a, there's a, well, there's also there's a bit of a, a negative racial undertone of the fifties at the time, um, of being the in the fifties era of having these uh, these white scientists go to uh, go on a clone, go, oh, yeah. go on a ship in Africa and then find these people that interrupt oh on gosh. phone calls. Oh my gosh! And, uh, <laughs> what did we tell you the last time we were... it went on vibrate? It was really rude. I'm sorry, but um, it, it, but it has a case where these um these scientists from Europe <laughs> proceed to go to Africa and then take this um this Just, native. Yeah, and then uh, they perceive him as this violent um, um, creature instead of actually as a human. Can being. Can I mention that you like know? every sort of uh, uh, every dude indigenous to that region that was helping them out gets killed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that was the, like the thing that that was one of the things I was like, does that did that really have to be a thing? Like, oh yeah, all the cannon fodder in this movie—they're all the people who live in this region. But, yeah, uh, it was like. And I was like, except for the captain. Thankfully, not the captain. Yeah, the captain. <laughs> but like, so but, we've come. But yeah, everybody else. I was just like, really. So, oh. so we're at the. You all right. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, so we're at the point where uh, they're trapped because they have the dam there. Remember, and yeah, the one guy's like, "Well, I'm going to go out there and fix it." But they're they also coming up with a, what was it, like a I want to say hydrogen bomb, but I know that's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, they were trying to make something underwater that would they thought would kill. I remember because they would. Um, so yeah. it's actually uh, they use this uh, earlier. I forgot what it's called, but they use it earlier, and you, you kind of see the effect of it with some of the smaller fish. It'll come up. Um, how the captain described it, it's like uh, it's like a really bad hangover. Like the, the, they just pop up. Like they're still alive, but he's like, yeah. I've used it for fishing. It startles and knocks out it, the creature. Yeah, yeah. It, it startles and knocks them out. The, the flashbang for the suit. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, they, they used a little bit of it before to try to drag him out, and it didn't work. So they were trying to. Um, uh, develop it further to make it heavier, but that was only after he got attacked while trying to move the blockade. Right. That they tried to. And move, I, I uh, think they, they were. They were. Further. Um, weren't they out in the boat and they did it and uh, they were all out there looking to see where he would pop up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and is that where he drags one of them underwater? Um, the I think boat? he comes up. F- uh, or does is that where he climbs up on the boat? I think that's where he climbs up on the boat. That's yeah, that was a crazy, scene, which is a yeah, great right? scene of just like yeah. Um, and is that where he grabs the girl? Remember, he grabs her and he just oh, does the yeah, yeah, he just yeah. does the barrel roll with her. <laughs> like ah. uh, that's that's way later though, because that's near the end um, yep. when that's, he finally grabs the girl. That's so, like, still like, a thing. He's, he's grabbed a dude and jog, you jog a dude in the water. So they, they went they went to try to go remove the the the, the blockade the blockade right, and he gets one of them there, don't he? I yeah. think so because yeah. they were trying to tie the rope around the tree. To yeah, yeah. move it, the move it to, to move the debris around so they can so actually, they get, actually through. get through there. Yeah, but like it just shows like like um like one thing, they don't make a big light of it in the film, but like it consistently like they underestimate the creature's intelligence and ability to uh, trap them and also his physical strength to break out of all these barricades. Oh, well, I wonder. Kind of it, you, you kind of wonder if he's more like um like the Borg. You know, he's adapting to his situation. You know, where he. Well, yeah. you so we, we kind of grazed over it, but uh, back when they captured him, when they actually captured him and they got him in like a little wooden cage, uh, that when, when the doctor got injured, right. um, that also showcased sort of his intelligence because the doctor was sitting there like watch him, you know, make sure he doesn't do anything fishy. Waka <laughs> <laughs> waka. So, so uh, um, you know, the doctor's sitting there. He kind of watches, then he, he sits down for a moment, and then he kind of closes his eyes, and then he has the conversation with the girl. And then that's when uh, the creature's noticing that he's distracted, and you just see him slowly come up and like test sort of the the restraints the, of the it. restraints yeah. of the bars of his, yeah. of his cage, and he's like, "Yeah, I can totally break out of this." You, <laughs> just see him, you see him like slowly lift up, and you can see him sort of like you know just get enough. It's uh, like, yeah, uh, I think uh, I can break. Yeah, this a exactly. Bit later. Yeah. And that's when you do hear the snap in the background, and like, what's going on? That's when the doctor got attacked. So that also showcased sort of the intelligence and the strength of the creature themselves. Right. Like, Little bitty side note too. That's the first thing where I saw his head poke out of the water and he's testing the bars. I'm like, you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the creepy scene for me was when the doctor's constantly looking at him and he's just sitting there in the water just staring at him. Yeah. Uh, and just like super still, you know, just these these dead eyes, you know what I mean? And so that that was like kind of creepy to me. It's just this like fish you know, creature just staring back at if you. They, if they haven't done it already, this would be a great film for like actual riff tracks of just like just cutting back to him, like saying something like, What's up? <laughs> so, where we have the movie now that we have the blockade and we're tried to remove it, he's killed another guy. And, and I think 
this is where the guy's like, I'm going to have to go underwater with this weapon. Yeah. And uh, so I can, I have to get this tied off or we're going to die here. Not yet. So Man, uh, monster. that's when him and the other doctor go in the water. Or maybe this was before. Once again, I'm kind of getting my events mixed we up. We have lost but, this plot entirely. Yeah, we but, just know that events happen. Yeah, events <laughs> happen. We're just throwing them out. This so, is our retelling of the real thing. So uh, I was there. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. So uh, that's when the two doctors go into the water. And um, that's when the one guy ends up dying. Right. Like, he has the huge fight with the creature, which for me, that was the most terrifying thing. Yeah, to drown is, underwater like is, that. Yeah, because, like, you see him, like, the creature bites off one of the... Uh, air hoses. The air right. hoses, and, you know, you just see all the bubbles and everything, because now he's no longer getting oxygen. And, you know, they continue to tussle underwater, and then that's when you, you know, see his body float, float up to the surface when, mm-hmm. you know, he's dead. And, like, they bring him up to the surface, but you're like, yeah, he's a goner. And I was like, man, that... That is probably the, the the most creepy part for me is just sort of the helplessness and like of tussling with something underwater and then you can't breathe and up oh, that that's it it's all yeah. she wrote and also just like as soon as body floats up it just it goes to prove that it's just like the the tide of the tides of the black lagoon have turned where he is no longer like he he is no longer the prey in the situation they are the prey you know, right. exactly the it's of, like, well the you wanted to kill me well I'm just gonna kill all and yeah. that's when sort of the desperation level came up to 10 and it's like yeah we gotta get out of here yeah. um, and then that's when they they take that uh, that underwater flashbang stuff basically and then they put it into the harpoon gun itself so instead of putting a harpoon in it they're gonna put in this uh, this knockout drug and they're like oh it should be enough to propel it uh, into his face and be effective um, and then that's when he goes to uh, reconnect that the 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 blockade mm-hmm. and then he has a tussle with the gill man to where he has to constantly shoot the stuff in his face and all it does is stun him for a little bit and yeah. then he comes right back yeah which really just shows the resilience of this creature but doesn't he doesn't he eventually get the blockade tied off where he can he does, pull it yeah. out yeah. right and they, they do succeed do. in getting yeah. but i think I th- is it that's when, when he dives bombs with the girl right because he's out yeah. in the water with him and the next day you see you see him climbing up that ladder you know and yeah he's kind of creeping along i was like <laughs> yeah. a creature's creeping you know and, and she's like on the far side of the ship you got the captain yeah. up there i think with a gun yeah right he has, yeah. He has just a gun drink. right yeah and uh you the see her turn rifle. around she's like Oh, no. and yeah. That dive he does, it's a 10. If he was an Olympic swimmer, you know, he grabs her. They just both perfectly just, yeah, perfect. the way they dive oh, in. Uh. <laughs> now, this was the other interesting part is that once he dives in the water, he goes to a cave underneath the yep. water. Hmm. Back uh, to the cave that they had explored before. Right. Hmm. So, um, a thing about that is when he's carrying her in there. He can't see. Well, not only that, he can't see, he bangs her head. He bangs her head against the, the, fake, the fake rock yeah. wall. Yeah. But like she, she said was okay. She was, yeah. yeah, well, she said, uh, let me see, there's so many notes here. So many uh, great facts. stated that she was not knocked out when she was being carried into the cave by the creature. Rather, Adams claimed that she scraped her head against the plaster wall of the cave while the stuntman was carrying her. Neither Adams nor the stuntman had very good visibility when filming the scene. The scene called for Adams to pretend to be unconscious in the creature's arm, which meant that her eyes were closed and the stuntman could barely see through the creature's mask. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, wow. Um, Another little tidbit. Um, this was uh, the first film that Stephen King can remember viewing. Oh wow! Oh wow! So I will say this: this is also, at least as far as all you know, the other monsters go. This is also the first one that uh, showcases that he's been shot. Because uh, right before you know the end of the movie, yeah. they, they shoot him a couple times, and you see the bullet holes. Yeah, he's been damaged. He's, he's been hurt, he's been hurt yeah. but he's not like. He's not gone down for the count by any means, uh, and they, they the, the fact that they showed that, like, given there wasn't blood or anything, but you can see the bullet holes. You can see holes in his carapace uh, armor, right? Yeah, his armor, yeah. Um, and I thought that was interesting because that's the first time we've seen anything like that. Because in all the other ones, it's like you hear the shots, but it's all implied. You can like, throw smoke around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. So with the Wolfman, they were like, oh, he healed. So yeah, yeah. you don't see the bullets on him. Uh, I don't believe they ever shot at Dracula. Um, well, they did. Remember, they were they? on the, the guy. Oh, that's right. That's right. But once again, it was like no damage. Uh, the mummy just aged away. So he was never shot. Um, but this is the first time a creature is shot and you see the damage from the gun uh, versus not seeing anything at all. And it's just being implied and said. Yeah. Well, uh, so like I thought this, that was very interesting. Well, this is where um, this is where he's got the chokehold on uh, the Dr. Reed, dang it. 
Is that what you're talking about where the the uh, captain shoots him? Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. That's so he's got he's got the guy him. choking him, remember? Yeah. And uh, the captain just shoots him twice. You know, you see the little chunks yeah. fly off or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it also goes to show like it, this is the of the other Universal monster films. They often they often they go on the side of the myth of it. Actually, like they are kind of like magical or supernatural or even like religious of like, a, a sign of deity. And uh, with Creature of the Black Lagoon, they play with both sides of like. The creature of the Black Lagoon, the Gill Man, can just be like a naturally occurring animal to a degree, or he actually could be this um, almost uh, supernatural creature. And they kind of play with having like him have both kind of sides of it, where like yeah. he can actually receive a realistic damage of being shot, but also he has the super strength to tear away an entire cage. Right. So, yeah. so how many times yeah. did he get shot there? At least twice, I maybe three should, times. I, I believe he had three or four bullet holes. Because you remember, uh, the his, doctor's uh, like uh, he starts armor. walking away. You know, and the doctor's like. No, Wait, no, yeah, yeah, just, just let, let him just go. Him go. Yeah. Yeah. And you see him walk out, and you just see him like fall in the water, you know. And yeah. you, you see his body just sinking at the end. Remember, it's yeah. kind of like sinking. So they intentionally left that in there because they they left it up to sequels. Because yeah. they didn't show him dying; they just show him getting to the water and going to the bottom. You know, yeah, so going you, to where you would assume he resides. Yeah. So either way, you could have said, "Hey, he's dead," or "Hey, he's just he's just finally is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm done." And, you know, enough of this. Um, a severe accident was narrowly avoided while filming the fight scene between the creature and Z. Ben Chapman, the stuntman who acted as the creature on land, and Bernie Gozier, who played Z, rehearsed the fight scene for several days. There was a particular need for the extended rehearsal since the creature's costume allowed for very little mobility or visibility. The scene called for Z to swing at the creature with a machete and for the creature to grab his hand before he could complete the motion. When the scene was filmed with the actors in costume, Chapman misses Gozier's hand when he swung the machete at him. The blade connected squarely with the creature's head. Luckily, the machete was not extraordinarily sharp, and the thick rubber foam that forms the creature's head prevented Chapman from receiving any serious injury. Wow. Or that could have been a tragedy of cinema right yeah, there, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nearly avoided. There's also a rumor that the Rico Browning skill man suit was painted yellow. So that the camera would be able to see the suit better in the murky water. However, they denied the rumor, saying his suit was also painted green. It was made to look identical to Ben Chapman's suit that he used to walk on land. Okay. Uh, interview, interviews of Ben Chapman will often thank the fans for keeping the movie's popularity alive. He believed that if it was not for the loyal fans, the creature from the Black Lagoon would have been just another forgotten monster movie film. So here's a. Um a fun casting fact uh, for Gilman. Uh, they wanted um, the actor that played uh, Frankenstein, or not Karloff. Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein's monster, Karloff. Uh, Karloff. Uh, mm-hmm. They wanted him to be the creature, uh, but he declined. Right, and um, I think it was the director I read that uh, he didn't like the because uh, Karloff talked with I want I don't want to say a list, but he had some sort of. Uh, Speech uh, impediment, yeah. Uh, it's either impediment or slang, or uh, yeah, a list. But which is interesting uh, because the creature accent. never speaks, it just you know, they have this uh, uh pre dubbed noise for one other reason or the other. Yeah, yeah, he just he didn't like the way he audibly made noises, <laughs> right? Um, the, the first design for the creature costume was modeled after the Oscar statue given away by the Academy of Motion Pictures and Arts and Sciences. <laughs> That's fantastic. The design was quickly scrapped over, and the final uh, foam, rubber, and latex creature costume bears a little resemblance to the award. Um, and the last thing that we'll talk about is Rico Browning and Ben Chapman, the two people who played the monsters, never met, met during the making of the film. Browning's underwater scenes were filmed in Florida, and Chapman's scenes were filmed in California. They didn't meet until they both attended a convention in Florida 20 years later. Wow. So that means they didn't even see each other at the premiere or anything. So, Kyle, we'll start with you. Give us your thoughts and opinions on this movie. My thoughts and opinions is that this movie holds up really well. I really like it a lot. I think the creature design, its costume, they're all uh, just really inspiring and naturalistic in a time where like some special effects can look a little bit dated. Um, like It's just... It looks good. Just looks good, and uh, I really love it. And I think there's a lot to learn from that movie carrying forward. And uh, just I, I like it a lot. <laughs> that's, oh. that's about all I can say. I don't have a good thoughtful for me. My bad, <laughs> Terrence. Uh, of the Universal monster movies, it's probably the creepiest. But that's because I I 
I've never liked sort of uh, fear of water. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 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 I, you know, I've always had this fear of water, and that that that's on like all, all mediums, like any movie that has underwater scenes that are you know for the sake of scaring. It's really effective to me. Like underwater scenes in video games, I hate them. <laughs> just uh, just underwater themes in general. It's always left me with a feel of unease, and so. Those particular two scenes I was talking about, one where the creature's staring from underwater up at the dock, and then the other scene where, um, you know, he has the fight with uh, with the other guy, um, just just those scenes really had an effect on me. And, then, and that's why I think this is a really good movie, um, especially in the theme of, you know, monster horror movie, because uh, it did actually have me at that feel of unease. Right. But I will say that monster, that theme... That they always play. That did have me laughing. And that kind of like left, like playing that over and over let me feel at ease more <laughs> interestingly it's, it's enough. Even though like, it's I didn't notice to... it in the time. So like for me, yeah. was, I, I didn't, I, like I felt all the unease. And but like, but since you notice it, it's always there now. <laughs> now, was this the first time you both watched it? Yeah. Yes. So this is your first experience, right? This is my A lot first of these experience. Universal Monsters are your first are your experience. experience right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, this was always one of my favorites when I was a kid. Uh, I just, I just thought he looked cool uh, between him and the Wolfman. Um, but we're going to cover the Invisible Man, which I think might be my favorite Universal monster now because the way that that movie ended up. But we're not talking about that yet. But uh, yeah, this was definitely probably uh, it's in my top three. I would say of the Universal monsters. Um, the sequels are amazing too. If you haven't seen the sequels, like Revenge of the Creature, and I can't remember the name of the third one, but they are really well done. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, this is a definite must-watch. If you're a fan of any of the Universal monsters that we've covered uh, so far, or just monsters in general, or Fear of the Unknown, Fear of the Water, it, it, it covers it all. Covers all the bases of horror. Uh, really great. Oh, yeah. Any other last thoughts before we close this one out? Terrence? That's it. I mean, I, one thing that just I found interesting, I didn't even think about in, until Carl brought it up, and that's uh, sort of that almost Lovecraftian vibe without it being inspired by Lovecraft himself, uh, where you have that sort of, um, you, you almost have this outworldly horror without it being an outworldly horror, which is yeah. interesting. Like uh, Lovecraft was a man afraid of everything, anyone that looked different. And, you know, <laughs> very controversial sometimes, but also uh, like did yeah, exactly. kind of hit those real feelings of uh, anxiety exactly. around an unknown kind of figure and uh, what dwells beneath the darkness of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one knows. So uh, it was interesting that it caught elements of that without it being directly inspired by it. Yeah. So while we're here, let's go ahead and put these in order since I usually ask you this at the end of every episode. So if we're going to put the Universal Monsters, the ones that we've covered so far between Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, the Mummy, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, how are you placing them in order of your favorites? Uh, I would put this one – I would still put this one probably before – uh, the Mummy and the Wolfman, right? So it would be right behind those. Uh, so you're still going with the Mummy number one, Wolfman number two, yeah. Then the creature, and then the creature, and then Dracula, the Dracula, Frankenstein. and then Frankenstein at the tail end. Kyle, um, I think Frankenstein would kind of carve it up just a little bit above uh, the Creature of Black Lagoon, and then um, put the Wolfman on third and Dracula at the bottom right now. So what about the mummy? Where are you putting the mummy? Um, mummy, I put it below that, too. <laughs> oh, so you put it below Dracula? Put it below Dracula. So this is number... Frankenstein, you're saying number one for you? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, with that, I think this episode's coming to a close. Uh, be, tuned, be on the lookout. We're getting ready to cover for our sixth installment, The Invisible Man. You will not want to miss it. Ah, ba doo boomch. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're looking, you may still miss him. Uh, with that being said, this is coming uh, to an end. That's a wrap. And, and cut. cut.